So the intention of this paper is to uh, get, a, uh, get a feedback, a mirroring feedback from all of you. So as I said that this particular research I have been trying to do as a psychologist from a psychological lens and I have been trying to read texts in Sanskrit, different texts in Sanskrit and I have been trying to make sense of it uh, in a psychological sense. And I have tried to introduce, uh, put in as much rigor as I can, looked at several texts and tried to understand it conceptually as well as practically. So the title of my uh, presentation is Oneness as a Lived Reality, Yoga, Vedanta and Tantra through some select aspects of the Sri Vidya practice. So I'm going to examine certain select psychological aspects. Uh, before I move, I would request you to put in an alarm. So by 12 minutes, you should let me know. I think I have 15 minutes. So I would like to focus on that. Now, oneness as a lived experiential reality is an interest for all of us who are not just psychologists, but also what we call as sadhakas. So what is it? What does it actually mean? Oneness as a lived experiential reality, not as a construct, not as a thought, not as an intellectual idea, but as a pursuit. So, um, I don't know how to move, how to move this. So this is, so the spiritual pursuit is to experience and live as oneness. That is the standard that we see in our Indian texts, in the, in, the, in the Vedanta texts, in the Prasthanatraya, etc. And this is something amazing. To understand what is oneness, I have just taken a easiest definition which I find and also that which goes with this idea of oneness as a lived reality, not as an intellectual construct, is what we see in Bhagavad Gita chapter 9, Shlok 4 and 5 which says, Maya tatam idam sarvam jagadavakta murtina matsthani sarvabhutani na chaham teshvavasthita. And the fifth one, Nacha matsthani bhutani pashyame yoga maishwaram bhuta brunnacha bhutasto mamatma bhuta bhavana. So I have rendered into four sentences which we studied uh, in Bhagavad Gita self in all beings, all beings manifesting in self. Self does not identify in beings and no beings exist in self. So this looks like a paradox of oneness. And this is the starting point on which I would like to go in a step-by-step -step model. Okay, so there are two points which will then elaborate into the next 10 minutes. The first point is, after reading all the separate traditions and reading all the texts, it appears that, historically also, that a coherence and integration of these systems was undertaken from 11th century onwards up till early 18th century in the life of Bhaskar Rai Makhin, who was an expert in authority on Shakta Advaita. Hmm? So you see that this process started from 11th century onwards in these three systems of yoga, Advaita Vedanta and Tantra. How? We have very good respected scholars here. I would like that they give feedback to me in the end. 
the second point is this integrative framework of these three is expressed in the practice of right hand tantra called samaya and i will look at just one aspect of that from a psychological lens some very few books have been written on the right hand tantra and they have not looked at the psychological aspects of it which i will try to identify so what is it so we have uh, the first connection that we see is in this integrative framework is this first step between yoga and vedanta what is the connection between yoga and vedanta and scholars have been divided especially ts rukmini has written a paper on dharma megha samadhi and she look, looks at viveka khyati in yoga sutras prasankhyana and then dharma megha samadhi and then compares it with the idea of jivan mukti and she literally analyzes all these terms in great detail and she comes to this conclusion ts rukmini that jivan mukti only bhoja says that jivan mukti is not connected to dharma megha samadhi whereas uh, vyasa and everybody else after vyasa says that dharma megha samadhi or viveka khyati uh, leads to dharma megha samadhi and that dharma megha samadhi is part of jivan mukti even vyasa says that ts uh, rukmini does not agree with vyasa which i find fairly amazing even ushurbud arya uh, can i have some water even ushurbud arya which is swami ved bharti of uh, the swami rama tradition has also written thanks has also written so even swami ved bharti or ushurbud arya has also written and ts rukmini mentions that but she does not agree with it in fact she identifies bhoj as one person who comments on patanjali yoga sutra and does not mention that the dharma megha samadhi is part of jivan mukti whereas we find all other scholars saying that this viveka khyati or prasankhyana viveka khyati leading to dharma megha samadhi is that stepping point from uh, or transition point from yoga to vedanta and so this is the first step and what does it mean that rajyoga practices are utilized to experience the purusha or that viveka khyati and this connection is through this particular concept of viveka which is both a vedantic concept and is obviously and clearly used in patanjali yoga sutra and the concept of viveka khyati or prasankhyana which you find in the third uh, throughout the chapters dharma megha is um, mentioned only in the end of the uh, end of patanjali yoga sutra only once hmm? so uh, there is some kind of a connection that is happening from patanjali yoga sutra to vedanta and that is through viveka khyati and viveka here i am following vyasa and i am disagreeing with ts rukmini uh even bhoj doesn't write exactly that it is not connected bhoj just focuses on the nivkleshan nivrutti he doesn't say it is not jivan mukti or he is just silent about it right so these different stages from a psychological perspective 
and Paranspe has written a lot about it, and a lot of uh, especially Paranspe, uh, the different stages of samadhi literally decontextualize the contents of that intentional consciousness. So, if we were to look at it in a psychological sense in more detail later, in terms of the dissolution of the internal objects. So, Piaget talks about Piaget is a theory. A theorist of cognitive development in psychology, and he says that cognitive development is organized in schemes. And these schemes have internal objects as, as, as well as an awareness of the external objects. So Paranspe and others have said that samadhi and, uh, samadhi and different stages of samadhi, especially nirvichara onwards, there is a significant decontextualization or deeper or, or some kind of integration and harmonization of those internal objects which finally lead to the more and more deepening of the samadhi states and an experiential uh, uh, experiential and lived awareness of viveka not just an intellectual understanding of this is real and this is not real but a lived understanding of what is real and what is confused as real and what is unreal. And this how uh, we will also see another important text which literally connects the Yoga Sutra concepts with Advaita Vedanta and the Saptagnana Bhumikas of Jivan Mukti Viveka where you will find more of these connections. So what basically psychologically happens is that you have a refining of subjectivity and you have a understanding of the pure in, pure subject. Now, one of the things that happens in experiential understanding of Viveka and experiential uh, knowledge of Viveka is you are able to disidentify at will. What does it mean neuroscientifically? We haven't checked it. But the person is cognitively disidentifying. That is what is Viveka is. And what is the affective component of that is, is able to detach, which we call as Vairagya. So Vivek and Vairagya are constantly talked about in Patanjali Yoga Sutra as cognitive and, I understand them, as cognitive and affective elements. So disidentification and by implication, it means identification as well. Now how does that work? Let us see. The second step of that would be the experience of Viveka. So we are not talking of an intellectual understanding of Viveka. We have we are crossed that, crossed that point. And we are talking of an experience of Viveka and the pure, clean subjectivity. And then you see this in uh, Jivan Mukti Viveka in uh, by Sri Vidyaranya Yati, where you have two chapters on Vasanakshaya and Manonasha Prakarana before you go to the chapter on Jivan Mukti Prayojana, right? where the Saptagnana Bhumikas are shown. And you have these three stages from Sattvapatti to Asamsakti to Padartha Bhavini, where you have, where, you are, where Vidyaranya clearly calls um, Asamsakti and Padartha Bhavini as stages of Jivan Mukti. And he clearly explains in the Jivan Mukti Prayojana that you need to do all the three things simultaneously, which is Vasanakshaya simultaneously, Manonasha simultaneously, and Samadhi Abhyasa simultaneously, which means that there is an integration 
of yoga as well as the Advaita Vedanta first step and how it moves to the next step which is more interesting psychologically. So the point here is this is the paradox of this is the paradox of oneness. The central point is that there is a Vedantic realization now after Satvapatti. So I'm not talking about after Satvapatti and there is a Vedantic realization but there is a transactional reality to live. And a whole lot of texts talk about uh, it appears that the meditator is acting but is actually not acting and so on. So the central point is Vedantic realization and this transactional reality and its separations and multiplicities, etc. How does this work out with oneness? That is a question. So this paradox can play a havoc in the practitioner's mind unless we can create an enabling system, an enabling cognitive system in the mind which can then enable a stability in that realization. And what is that? So we come to the next point. So now, uh, yoga and tantra, one would think that yoga and tantra is odd. As we see, yoga and Vedanta can be seen, but Vedanta and tantra, there has been a lot of discussion and fights on it. And lots of people across history have argued and fought, and there have been perspectives that yoga, uh, Vedanta and tantra are incompatible systems. But S.K. Ramchandra Rao in his book traces the history where there was an alignment from the 14th to 15th century onwards. And uh, we will come to that point here as well uh, after some time. <clears throat> so symbolization is a tantric psychological principle, apart from looking at soma, which is the body. So symbolization is a, is a principle of tantra, psychological principle of tantra, uh, which is especially on the body, which you see in Hatha Yoga practices. Like in the earlier presentation, you see those symbolizations mapped on the body as chakra. It's a symbolization which is mapped on the body. And one of the concepts that we, they, the tantric terminologies use is nyasa or bhavana in the case of bhavana upanishad. So basically, you, either it is a re-symbolization of the body in hatha yoga practices or availability of the existing symbolizations. Depends on which perspective you are looking at. And S.K. Ramchandra Rao then traces this history of Tantra and Advaita Vedanta through the Atharvana and the Taittiriya texts as well as through Sri Vidya. And some of the sources are commentary by Lakshmidhara Suri on Saundarya Lahari in the life of Sri Adi Shankaracharya and Bhaskarya Makhin who commented on not only Sri Vidya and Sri Chakra, Shri Chakra but a whole lot of Shakta Upanishad and Shakta texts. Okay. So now, what is actually happening psychologically here, what is actually happening psychologically here is that in the life of a person who has got Satvapatti, there are two oppositional cognitive place, uh, processes taking place. The first process is that if you have to live a life in the transactional world, to identify and utilize the schema of the world, and you have to work in that. That is the language with which the world understands, and that's how it has to be done. But cognitively, if you want to stabilize in your meditation, if you want to stabilize in your uh, experience, you mm -hmm. also have to mm -hmm. disidentify and disutilize or weaken the symbolization and schema of the transactional world. 
these are the two cognitive opposite processes that you have to do. The solution to resolve this is found in one aspect, in, in, at least in this particular aspect, is to re-schematize and re-symbolize the world of internal and external objects through the use of a yantra. That is what you see. So in tantric ideas of nyasa and bhavana, or bhavana upanishad is what we call it, what I would think right now as conscious re-symbolization of that word. And I will explain this in one aspect of it and then look forward for your feedback. So this is, this is, not, this is something that Vygotsky as well as Piaget have talked about in theories of cognitive development in psychology that how does a child understand that a giraffe is also an animal and a tiger is also an animal. So there is a scheme of what an animal is and more and more ideas are assimilated in those schemes of what an animal is. So the first time the child goes to the zoo, the child may be having an idea that only dog is an animal because that's the <coughs> animal that the, uh, that the child has looked at. But when the child will go to the zoo, the child will see a hippopotamus and a rhinoceros and an elephant and so on and so forth. So that scheme of what an animal is, is expanded, assimilated, and that's how the scheme works. So this is, these are some of the theories that we use in <coughs> psychology. So Vygotsky's cultural tools theory, <coughs> which says that language and cultural tools are provided to the child to understand the concepts and schemes of the world. This is something that we can utilize here. Then some of the concepts in Piaget uh, of uh, theory of cognitive development is object permanence and schemes, which I talked about. Object permanence is, uh, it's a very important concept in psychology. And this is an important concept in, would be an important concept in uh, Srividya as well. Object permanence is simply understood as, uh, you know, when a child cries when the mother leaves. So what happens when a child cries when a mother leaves? Early childhood. After seven months, the child is crying when the mother leaves, but the child is not ruined or devastated. Why? Because that external object, which is the mother, is now become a permanent internal object. This is the way the world becomes permanent in our head or in the concepts and schemes that we have. And in the process of Raj Yoga practices, you literally dissolve those concepts of the world which has become permanent in your head. Now, in the case of a Jivan Mukta, holds on to the body and the brain. So therefore, it would create that kind of a trouble. So we will see this in this, I will stop now. We will see this text that show these interlinkages, Yoga and Advaita Vedanta, Nabuji Bhatta, Sri Vidyaranyayati, Adi Shankara's commentary on Aparokshanubhuti, then step to Advaita Vedanta and Tantra, Saundarya Lahari and its commentary by Lakshmi Dhara and later commentaries by Bhaskar Raya, which I see here. Third is Yoga and Tantra. Uh, Swatmarama himself was supposed to be a Nath and Nath, Nath tradition is the one that has utilized symbolization on the body, on the body. Hmm? 
Right. So basically, the, the psychological principle that comes out of Srividya is re-symbolizing and restructuring the mind consciously and through the method of the tantra. So uh, through the method of the yantra. So I'm just going to take one particular aspect of yantra, which is the outer bhupura, which is the gate, four gates of uh, exchange. And I'm not getting into inside the circle because it's a secret and there's no point talking about it anyway. Hmm? So the point here is this, that we all learn Sri Vidya and Sri Vidya is in great practice, etc. The, the point that I'm trying to make here is, unless you do not have a complete disidentification with the existing concepts, your scheme of Sri Vidya is just going to add to another set of schemes, right? It's not going to help you in your advanced meditation states. Just like there is a scheme of this world, there is another assimilated scheme of Srividya. Srividya is useful if you have completely cleaned up your internal objects first and detached from them, and then you are reconceptualizing it. Then it is useful, is what uh, I would say. So Viveka Khyati is the basic step of stability of this Bhupura. Bhupura means the world of earthly world, uh, etc. So this is the, so what is how one principle that I would like to mention and then stop is in this one chakra or uh, in this one Bhupura is this psychological principle of creating equivalences. I'm stopping at this, creating equivalences between different symbols. So what happens in Bhupura is that at the first level, if you can see is directions. Directions are sensory motor realities, right? On these directions, you are putting the symbolization of amnayas. What are amnayas? The experiential no uh, gateways of knowledge and learning, which means Purva amnaya, Pashima amnaya, Dakshina amnaya, etc. On this, you are putting the symbolization of yogas. So there are multiple yogas, but in the Sri Chakra, you are integrating all of them. North is Jnana, East is Mantra, South is Dakshina, and West is Karma. So all the yogas are getting integrated. And you will see this happening in Swami Vivekananda's statements as well. And so on and on, till you even have the symbolization of Rasa as an approach. And this symbolization is just one aspect, and it uses the psychological principle of equivalence. Literally finding an object, external object outside and creating a conscious equivalence symbolization to an internal object inside. And therefore it helps in the life of an advanced meditator. Thank you very much. Now this is the time for question. have mentioned that Manonasa Manonasa is a, a prerequisite for Samadhi Abhyasa. Right? Yeah. Vasanakshaya and Manonasa. Vasanakshaya and Manonasa are prerequisite for Samadhi Abhyasa. Uh, they have to be parallel with Samadhi Abhyasa. No, the point is, if you already achieved Manonasa and Vasanakshaya, 
There's no need for any abhyasa. The, it is something that the avarana gets removed. What is already there shines forth. Right. There need not be any abhyasa thereafter when Manonasa is achieved. Right. I will answer all the questions related to this in one shot. And do you want me to answer this now? Huh? Okay. Yes, yes, please. Thank you, madam, for your excellent presentation. It's really inspiring. And few observations. Yes. As you said, uh, it's actually the Dharma Megha Samadhi. Hmm. So there, as you have uh, mentioned in your speech, it is in the Bhashya also it is very explicitly mentioned hmm. that there is Jivan Muktavastha. Yeah, because it, it follows the Sankhya hmm. where it is said Tishthati Dhruta Sharira, Chakra Brahmiva Dhruta Sharira. Hmm. So it is accepted there and in, in this also. And Tasya Saptadha Prantabhumi Pradnya. Yes. So if you connect that sutra, yes. so the Jivan Mukta state can be easily understood. Correct. And the Krutardham Prati Nashtamapi Anashtam, Tadanya Sadharanatva, this sutra also. Yes. So it says Krutardham Prati Nashtam. Krutarthaha Kaha Jagat Pashyati. So it is in the Bhashya. So, Krutarthata, even in the Advaita. Yes. Once Krutartha. Yes, yes. See, yeah. to a Krutartha there is no Jagat. And Yoga Sutra also says that. Correct. Anyam Prati, that means Akrutartha. So, Akrutartha is in the, uh, under the spell of Avidya only. So, he can see the Jagat. So, that's why it comes very close and beautifully explained. Yeah. See, Yoga, the ultimate end of yoga is Advaita only. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I agree with you. And uh, they, they accept Advaita for their practical purposes. Thank you. Thank you, you very much. So, uh, I will answer your question offline, I think, because there's a new, uh, the next presentation is going to come, but I can answer your question offline. Madam? Yes. Did you go through the original commentary by Bhaskara Raya on any tantrika texts? Yes, I have gone through it. Huh? Yes. So, do on Bhavan Upanishad or uh, Parashurama Kalpasotram, there are many. I have done, okay. yes, I have read Bhavan Upanishad. Because he quotes from Pandini, quotes from Pauramimansa, Vedanta, etc. Yeah, et yeah, he, yes. And there are a number of misouts uh, as far miss outs. as the interpretations he offered are concerned. Huh. With many of the interpretations, we cannot agree. Because whatever Sotra or Vartika, whatever he takes up, he huh. comments. Uh, in a way, I mean, that, 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 is, that is useful for you. <laughs> because if you say Advaita and Shri Vidya, huh. <coughs> many people said, huh. and Advaita, Upasana is discussed in third Adhyaya, fourth Adhyaya, something like that in Sotra Vatsha also. Huh. Huh. But this kind of Shri Vidya, etc., even an iota of uh, any seed is not seen there as far as uh, my knowledge is concerned. And in Bhaskara's commentaries, huh. it is very difficult to accept certain interpretations. That's All right. Uh, Thank you. I will relook at it. Thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Now I'd like to call Shri Srinivas Jammal Madakaji. He is a traditional scholar of Nyaya and Vedanta also. And he teaches in Tirupati Venkateshwara Rashtri Samskrit Vidya Pitam. So I request him to present. Shrutis Smriti Purananam, Alayam, Karunalayam, Namami Bhagavat Padam, Shankaran, Loka Shankaram, Shankaram, Shankaracharyam, Keshavam, Badrayanam, Sutra Bhashikratovande, Bhagavantau, Punafunaha, Shri Guru Bhionamaha. So, 
I wish to uh, present upon uh, something related to pranayama and its connection to the advaitic experience. So I took oneness as the Brahmabhava Patti and how uh, pranayama could be a constituent part in achieving uh, that. So uh, popularly pranayama is known as a breathing exercise for stress related issues and etc. But uh, pranayama has, uh, pranayama uh, is one of the constituent part uh, uh, that is uh, stated by Maharshi Patanjali also as in the, uh, as the yoga uh, ashta anga. Uh, it comes under the eight uh, constituent parts of the yoga. Not only that, but in some minor Upanishads uh, that as Trishikhibram Upanishad, Darshan Upanishad, Tejo Bindu Upanishad and etc. Uh, pranayama is uh, is a uh, stated to be one of the constituent parts to uh, attain brahma bhava patti directly how pranayama uh, uh, will lead to uh, brahmatma bhava brahmatma uh, aprokshanubhuti that is so <coughs> so coming to the etymology so pranayama is a compound word consisting of prana and ayama two words in it so the word prana is formed from the vibral root anapranane with the prefix of pra, pra prefix, which means the cause of life. And the word ayama is formed from the verbal root yama upaname with the prefix ang to it, which means prevention or hindrance in here. So uh, basically the word pranayama means hindering of prana or the process or the cause of hindrance of prana. So in here hindrance means the regulation of the natural, uh, 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 the inhalation and exhalation, whichever is natural, uh, and regulating the uh, inhalation and exhalation is what is called as, uh, meant by pranayama. So in order to get a clear picture about pranayama, one should know what is prana, I know, preliminarily, that is, even the, uh, because the, the Shruti in the, in the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad, we find yaf prana savayuhu. So there it is stated that prana is vayu, that is nothing but air. But this view contradicts with the Sankhyas, which opines that, which opines that prana is a common function of all sense organs. That is, samanya karana, karana vrittihi prana adhyā vayavah pancha. So, this contradiction is clarified by Adi Shankaracharya by saying that Vayureva Adhyatmam Apanna Panchavyuhaha Visheshatmana Vatishthamano Prano Nama Bhanyate Natatvantaram Napi Vayu Matram. So Prana is not something which is totally different from Vayu, that is air, nor mere Vayu. So Prana is the air which is inside the body in separate in uh, uh, what you call in specific regions with specific functions and hence uh, and further the prana the same prana is again divided into five prana apana vyana udana and at times even more uh, naga kurma karkara dhananjaya and devadatta also so <coughs> and ayama is uh, uh, so this pranayama has been even dealt with, uh, dealt uh, in the yoga sutras also as tasmin sati shwasa prashwasa yoho gati vichhedah pranayama haiti. 
so that means hindrance of natural flow of inhalation and exhalation of vayu is pranayama normally when in- inhales and exhales in natural process regulation of this inhalation and exhalation of air is believed to be pranayama so again this pranayama has three stages which is famous that is purakam kumbhakam and rechakam uh, here uh, this kind of pranayama is normally divided into two which one is agarbha pranayama and the second one is sagarbha pranayama apidhyanam vinagarbha sagarbha tatsamanvitah states narada smriti so in the process of inhalation that is puraka or kumbhaka or rechaka if you have something called as uh, mantra japa or a dhyana or meditation then uh, that kind of pranayama is called as sagarbha pranayama and a pranayama in which there is no dhyanam or japam is called as agarbha pranayama so <clears throat> again this sagarbha pranayama is further divided into two as japagarbha and dhyanagarbha so uh, japagarbha pranayama means in the state of kumbhakam a mantra japa is performed so chanting of a mantra is performed such as uh, Uh, from the uh, uh, as stated in the yagnyavalkya uh, smriti bhurbhuvar suvar mahar janastapas satyamevacha pratyonkara samayuktam tatha tat savituh param omapo jyotirityetat chirah paschat prayojaye triravartana yogattu pranayamastu shabditaha iti so starting from bhu to oma pojyotira somrutam brahma bhurbhuvaswarom is one mantra if this mantra is chanted thrice at the state of kumbhakam one pranayama it is counted to be one pranayama so uh, this kind of pranayama is an integral part of karmaanushthana because each and every karmaanushthana has aachamana pranayama and sankalpa very important so in here japagarbha pranayama is a uh, very important part of karma anushthana so which will lead in a uh, due process towards the brahma bhava patti because first we do sakamya karma that is with a desire upon the reward we first uh, perform rites and then we remove the part of desire from the rites which which leads to chitta shuddhi and then shravana mana nididhyasana will uh, ultimately lead to the oneness experience of oneness so here uh, pranayama pranayama is not only a constituent part of ritual but at times it is even one uh, one kind of a ritual also because rituals that is karma is normally divided into four that is nitya naimittika kamya and uh, prayaschitta so pranayama at times is itself is a prayaschitta as tasarenu samam hema hrutva kuriyat samahitah pranayama dvayam samyak tena shuddhyate na samshayah and pranayama shatam kuriyat sarva paapapanutay and etc so these smritis state that pranayama itself uh, is prayaschitta for some uh, misdoings so in here we need to know because 100 pranayama pranayama 100 times is given for sarva papa panuttaye so we need to know what is one pranayama in order to achieve 
so one pranayama means as i stated be, be, before so one pranayama means that thrice you have to uh, chant the mantra at the state of kumbhaka kumbhakam and then comes dhyanagarbha pranayama so dhyanagarbha pranayama is normally uh, uh, it is part of sadhana that is uh, uh, i mean to the next level to the karmaanushthana when you leave the karma and uh, you are trying to do you are trying to achieve something else so then there comes dhyanagarbha pranayama so in dhyanagarbha pranayama meditation is uh, prescribed in the uh, particular stages that is in purakam certain kind of meditation at the state of kumbhakam certain kind of meditation at the state of rechakam certain kind of meditation is also uh, uh, prescribed as uh, in vyasa smriti we find nabhibadhye sthitam dhyayet kamraktam purakeratu नीलोत्पलाभम हृत्पद्मे कुंभकेन जनारद्दनम ललाटस्थम शिवम श्वेतम रेचके नाभिचिंतयेत एंड एक्सेट्रा सो वी फाइंड दिस कैंड ऑफ ध्यानगर्भ प्राणायामा टू अचीव समथिंग विच इज मोर देन द मेटीरियलिस्टिक रिवॉर्ड एंड देन फाइनली देन अराइव्स अगर्भ प्राणायामा आफ्टर ध्यानगर्भ प्राणायामा विच इज पार्ट ऑफ मेनी Uh, what you call um, which is stated to be and constituted part of uh, uh, the sadhana in which which will lead uh, as in saguna uh, brahmopasana and then to later on to the nirguna brahmopasana and etc pranayama is a very constituent part so in this way uh, pranayama has a very uh, uh, important role to play to achieving the advaitic uh, uh, experience so we can draw a parallel line between vigraharadhana to arupa rupyupasana to nirguna brahmopasana and finally brahma bhava patti at the same way we start with the japagarbha pranayama which will lead to dhyanagarbha pranayama and then finally to agarbha pranayama and uh, to the brahma bhava patti at the same time so these both are interlinked that's what i feel to be so yeah is there any question uh thank you for your paper the one one question is why are you trying to translate uh, such a uh, i mean terse terms very heavily loaded pregnant with meaning pranayama is there you said poraka kumbhaka rechaka mm-hmm. can you get the complete sense of all these three uh, things uh, by saying hindering the etc etc and whatever you have quoted from ప్రాణాయామ ప్రత్యహారాధారణాధ్యానసమాధయాష్టాంగాని తాషాంతరీకరణం సహతే ఇట్ ఈస్ బెటర్ నాట్ టు ట్రాన్స్లేట్ ఎట్ హాల్ హిండరింగ్ వాట్ ఐ మెంట్ వాస్ ఎట్ దెండ్ ఇట్ లీడ్ టు రెగ్యులేషన్ ఆఫ్ ద ఇన్హెరే దట్స్ వాట్ ఐ మెంట్ సో రెగ్యులేషన్ ఆఫ్ ది ఇన్హెలేషన్ అండ్ లెగ్జలేషన్ ఇట్ సెల్ఫ్ ఇస్ ప్రాణాయామం బికాస్ శ్వాస ప్రశ్వాసయో గతి విచ్ఛేదాలేషన్ 
to to uh, yeah it differs actually even in one upanishad it is 12 in another upanishad it is 15 maximum yeah it it differs the matra kala is also matra kala also yeah. but nowadays suppose in sandhya mandanam hmm. when people are doing they are not following this smriti no, yeah. om bhur bhur that was the triggering point for my you know for uh-huh. me to develop on this issue yeah, actually said because for me personally why i took pranayama because we are doing achamana pranayama sankalpa every day mm. but mm. we are not knowing what is huh? pranayama exactly and uh, uh, at times the prayashtha itself is pranayama yeah, so we need to know what is one pranayama uh-huh. if not in a, in order to achieve what is 100 how do 100 pranayamas uh, so many, that was the triggering point for myself to yeah. in many other smritis also pranayama yeah. is fixed as prayashtha shubham bhuyat aishman Lau Sharma ji has come here all the way from Singapore. Uh, he is introduced to us by one uh, uh, Sri Kathirasan who practices executive coaching in uh, Singapore. Uh, he is a very good uh, practitioner of Vedic mindfulness. The Lau Sharma is not L-O-V-E Lau, it is Lava. Uh, Lava Kusha. Uh, so, is one of those lava and kusha <laughs> yeah okay and uh, this is the only paper uh, which is going to be in hindi he is going to present the paper in hindi so i'll try both language hindi and english so i prepared in a hindi format but uh, looks like a, there is a mix oh, mix audience okay ओम अहम वृक्षसेरी वीर्तिपुष्ट गिरेरी वूर्धवपवित्रवाजिनी वमितमस्मगम सर्वस्व सुमेध अमृतोक्षिशंकोर्वेदाचन ओं शाति 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 सो प्रणाम टू ऑल विद्वान्गण एंड एंड थैंकफुल टू द इंडिक अकेडमी एंड द चिमयानंद इंटरनेशनल मिशन सो हू अलाउड मी टू स्पीक so and as he already gave the introduction so the and the whole topic is shiv samhita uh, advait vedanta of shiv samhita and that topic is brought by the kathirasan itself so he wrote a book on on it the the advait vedanta of shiv samhita and that is available in amazon everywhere so it is a gist of what uh, what shiv samhita is trying to say and it is so i'll go quickly go to the <coughs> yogshastra so currently in today's time we have a <coughs> we have a three mukhya granthas like for a hat yoga and uh, and today's hat yoga is very famous because of the uh, baba ramdev and uh, the credit goes to him that he reach uh, that hat yoga reaches to the home so <clears throat> and what we believe that uh, uh, shiv samhita amongst these three shiv samhita shiv samhita has a special um, place where it it not only shows the what is hat yoga but at the same time it also uh, Uh, it also has the very good collaboration or a very good connection with the advait vedantas and uh, and uh, okay so like uh, like what our shastras sutras they they lead us to the mokshas similarly similar behavior we will we will observe we observe in the shiv samhita as well so that also lead to the moksha from the from its teaching of the advait vedanta so the world and the scholar have assumed the shiv samhita is a, is a hatha yoga text therefore advait vedantas have neglected it and uh, neither have the hatha yogis understood it so there is only one traditional commentary on the on that too briefly 
and the, the main difference between what is hatha yoga advait and the advait vedanta is like from the hatha yoga the advait attains from the yogic uh, from the mentally and physical preparation of it where in case of advait vedanta we have a preparation from the gyanam so that is the main difference that's why there is a confusion between which one is advait and that's why it's this text is not well known from the from the standpoint of advait vedanta and um, that is our topic of today so this so this con uh, consists of a five chapters which is a uh, 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 first chapter is on the totally based on the advait vedanta there is no nothing of the hatha yoga in that first chapter so it is not connected to hatha yoga but rest of the chapters like 1 2 to 4 2 uh, to 5 they are it is hatha yoga but at the same time it consists of advait vedanta also so if you see the the it comprises of both and and uh, yeah okay next so what is the timeline of it so most many people many scholars they say that it is around uh, 17th century but uh, some scholars like james mollinson they he said that it is between the 13th to 15th century and it is available from that point but again if compared to our shastras this is very new so 15 13 to 13 15 centuries is very new for compared to our shastra <coughs> so uh, what is the connection between the hatha yoga and atma gyan or advait vedanta we all know that it is a mainly for the chit shuddhi so and um, uh, our uh, our scholars like our rishis they always focus on the we need to attain the gyanam or advait gyanam and so they focus is not only the knowledge at the same time they also their focus was also to lead us in a systematic manner to the chit shuddhi so hatha yoga is one of them and if you and uh, they they we also focus uh, they also focus on the uh, mind and dhyanam activities these kind of things and you will be good you will be surprised to know that some application of more companies like in our us like calm and headspace they are billion dollar company who teaches only meditations and they are billion dollar company so they are earning a lot in the us only for the uh, only for the meditations and advait vedanta doesn't stop at the meditation point it takes that that's after chit shuddhi take the uh, go go for go to attain the gyanam and then you go lead to the moksha so we go even next step and at the same time like um, <coughs> even even in aproksha anubhuti even if you don't get the knowledge or if you if you are not st still your mind and phys physical or mentally are not stable then even in uh, aproksha anubhuti it says that kinchit pakva kshayanam hat yogena samyukta so the the people who who still not have the uh, stable mind and physical they the hatha yoga will help them in the in to attain that and those are the number of shlokas in uh, the the serial number of a shloka in the hatha yoga so bottom right so how it covers <clears throat> again it is a very common concept that uh, in the first uh, first shloka itself it, it it tackle down the two things which is one is a brahman or the uh, the brahma and the second part is a uh, anatma avidya so which is a core concept of the advait vedanta and <clears throat> what it says that anatma is the only uh, it is just a, uh, we have uh, so so it is a, okay, so we can say like a, okay so bhinn uh, bhinn simit anubhava so we have a different anubhava from the gyan indriya so actually the, it doesn't exist <coughs> so this is what from the and it takes it takes the example of asarpur rajju which is very famous nyaya and it okay next it, next it uh, it tackles down not it tackles down the 
after after teaching the advaita uh, the anatma or avidya it also tackled down it takes it attack on the karmas karmas also that it do the it it condemn the all kind of karmas like uh, what all kind of karmas satya 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 bolna tapasya dhyan shuddhata ka palan shama man ki shanti daan karna purvajo ka anushthan karna nishkam karma karna vairagya bhav grahastha angrast ke kartavya agni anushthan mantra yog mantra yog aur tirthya this is all karmas and he uh, he demolished all the kind of karmas in in terms of uh, uh, in attending the mokshas even this uh, this confirmed by the sri bhagwan adi adi sankracharya also in the nirvana satkam na punyam na papam na shokhyam na dukham na mantro na sittirtho na veda na yagya chidananda rupam shivoham shivoham so shiv samhita and uh, uh, sankracharya they both are very firm in terms of in, in terms of the karmas so that what are what what is not for the for the mokshas at the same time they also take uh, take down to the uh, take down to the others other dharmas like both the dharma or charvak or the or or nastik dharma that because of these there are uh, there are many varieties of knowledge available in the shastras or in the books or available who who confuses people um, who confuses people that what is right and what is wrong and what happens is like people choose one of them or even a sunyavad or pratyekshvad and they stick to the stick to it but at the end they don't attain the moksha or they don't attain the liberation so because of lots of bhrantis available in the current, today's world it is very tough to, for anyone to uh, lead in the right direction <coughs> so this is next it uh, it takes on uh, it also explain because as shiv samhita is a complete granth for any sadhakas Uh, because it uh, it uh, takes the advaita vedanta at the same time it uh, helps in the hat yoga also so in, a, in a, it also cover all the possibly uh, possible aspect of the uh, knowledge which which will be helpful for the sadhakas here also in the in the karma siddhant like uh, karma kand is divided karma kand and gyan kand is a two part of the vedas one is a pravritti and one is a nivritti and uh, in, inside also there is a multiple multiple uh, bhedas which is uh, here to okay which is again uh, a, it is also available in the shivshamita in that particular shloka so it explain that what is nark and uh, mumukshu should not waste their time in uh, in going and understanding the bhedas they should focus on the gyan kanda itself and uh, in again the in the shivshamita uh, explains about the two types of uh, two appro approaches of a gyan kanda one is a drishti srishti and uh, one is a srishti drishti vadam even in shiv samhita text the first portion is the srishti drishti vada and the second portion is a drishti srishti vada so it even shows the process of learning how what is learning the prakriyas <coughs> using these two vadas there are many more prakriyas and nyayas are used in the shiv samhita like these one so in this also <coughs> so it uses the जल से भरा पात्र एक सूर्य के सूर्य का अनेक प्रतिबिंब दिखाई पड़ता है उसी प्रकार माया की उपाधि के कारण भी जगत भिन्न भिन्न दिखाई पड़ता है जान पड़ता है सेकेंड एग्जाम्पल इस जैसे स्वप्न में अनेक भेद उत्पन्न होते हैं नींद से जाग जाने के बाद कुछ नहीं रहता उसी प्रकार जब सूर्य और स्वप्न जगत का ज्ञान होता है तो सारे 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 भेद निराधार हो जाते हैं सो इट टेक्स ऑल द न्याय नॉट ओनली दिस टू देर आर सर्परजू घटाकाश घटाकाश सीपी चांदी और समुद्र फैन so the, these are exam these nyayas are taken as it is there is no change in the uh, nyayas there is no change in the prakriyas it is 
very similar similar to the what we use in a traditional vedantas uh, traditional vedanta it also takes uh, takes uh, one one statement in the sama in terms of samadhi also so from the so the knowledge is the only way to attain the mokshas and uh, and uh, the sadhaka should focus on the shravanan mananan and nididhyasana for the atma chintana and um, should know that atma is abhedha atma is advaita and there is no there is no upadhi in the atmas atma and nitya mukta nitya mukta is sama nitya mukta nitya mukta is the state of a samadhi this is what the shiv samhita also confirms that uh, what is the definition of a samadhi next is uh, uh, it takes a, it again uses a different prakriya to explain the uh, to explain the agyanam so that whatever uh, whatever the jagat or prapanch is there it is adhyaropit on the brahman and mumukshu uh, or any sadhaka they need to work on the apavad from the top to bottom so remove the remove the all kind of prapanch all kind of jiva or chedabhas and then uh, know what is brahman so that prakriya is also used in the shiv samhita next even at the end also uh, the because all the advaita advaita vedanta they takes from the brahman to the creation also with the maya also so it uh, it it has a very small portion for the maya also which says about the ma maya has a two shaktiyas like or uh, two shaktiyas one is a vikshepan and one is a avaran and uh, all mumukshu should work on the uh, from the knowledge they should remove the vikshep and uh, cut the avaran so <clears throat> what is saran so Though it is less uh, less uh, famous uh, less less famous in the in the Advaita Vedanta uh, text, but it uh, it has all the ingredient what what it is needed for the Advaita Vedanta to be Advaita Vedanta text is like जैसा जैसा कि हमने जाना इसका प्रथम अध्याय केवल Advaita Vedanta है जो कहता है कि जीव ब्रह्म एकम तत्वमसी अविद्या ही संसार है जगत का कारण है और ज्ञान से ही अव्यद्या का नाश है उपनिषद और गीता का उपनिषद गीता अन्य वेदांत शास्त्र का मूल है न्याय का समावेश है न्यायों का समावेश है उदाहरण में भी कोई भेद नहीं है प्रवृत्ति और कर्म कर्म मार्ग का भी खंडन खंडन विस्तार से किया वेदांत प्रक्रिया का उपयोग साधक फिर भी अगर समझने में अक्षम है तो हटयोग से हटयोग का अध्याय ले एंड देन अगेन कम टू कम बैक टू द फर्स्ट चैप्टर टू टू नो मोर अबाउट द अद्वेद वेदांत एंड एंड देन अटेन मोक्षाइट just curious about the sequencing how come the text on yoga uh, advaita is in the first chapter we should progress towards that right so is it not don't you find that a little disconcerting But generally in uh, there is a two ways of thinking like uh, so hatha yoga also so if we if we consider that we if we want to attain moksha and and hatha yoga is a helpful in uh, attaining a moksha also from the mentally and physically we should know that what is brahman and in what we are focusing on so learning that about learning about the brahman will helpful in the help in the hatha yoga also so in in terms of dhyanam in terms of knowledge assimilation so first put the knowledge and then if there is a there is a problem understanding it do the hatha yoga with the same knowledge so think on the do the uh, meditation on it learn more about the that uh, the, uh, knowledge and then if not understood come back again so it is a whole cycle and if you see the it is a complete granth for any sadhakas so just read the shiv samhita it is good for one person in shiv samhita ka advaita vedanta ya shiv samhita ki advaita vedanta advaita vedanta is a pumlinga shabda 
సో కా విల్ బి బెటర్ అండ్ ఆల్సో దెర్ ఆర్ మెనీ మిస్టేక్స్ ఆల్సో హరిహి ఓం ఎనీవే నో కమ్ బ్యాక్ అబౌట్ జ్ఞానకాండ వాట్ శివ సంహిత సేస్ ఏ సాధక షుడ్ నాట్ గెట్ ఇన్వాల్వ్డ్ ఇన్ ఎనీ కైండ్ ఆఫ్ కర్మాస్ సో ఇట్ విల్ క్రియేట్ ఎ మోర్ కన్ఫ్యూజన్ టు దెమ్ బట్ ఇట్ ఈస్ విత్ గోస్ ఎగ్నిస్ట్ ది ఎస్టాబ్లిష్డ్ అద్వైత సిద్ధాంత కామ్యానాం కర్మణాంచాగం సన్యాసం కవయో విధు ఎయిటీన్త్ అధ్యాయ భగవద్గీత సో హియ నిత్యకర్మాణి నైమిత్తిక కర్మాణి కామ్యకర్మాణి సంతి బట్ ఫర్ సన్యాసి నిత్య నైమిత్తిక కర్మాణ్యపి కారణ ఇంగ్లీష్ ఐ విల్ ఎక్స్ప్లెయిన్ మస్కర మస్కరణ వేణు పరివ్రాజకయో పాణిని సూత్రం దేర్ కామెంటింగ్ ఆన్ ది టర్మ్ మస్కరి పతంజలి సెడ్ మాకురుత కర్మాణి మాకురుత కర్మాణి ఇది యహా ఆహా సహా మస్కరి దేర్ నాగేశ్వట్ట కామెంట్స్ ఇట్ ఈస్ ఓన్లీ కామ్యకర్మాణి బికాస్ ఫర్ ఎ సన్యాసి నిత్య నైమితిక కర్మాస్ హ్యావ్ టు బి పెర్ఫార్మ్డ్ అగైన్ దేర్ అనదర్ థింగ్ ఇన్ ట్వెల్ఫ్త్ అధ్యాయ ఆఫ్ మనుస్మృతి ఫోర్ కైండ్స్ ఆఫ్ సన్యాసీస్ ఆర్ దేర్ సో ఇఫ్ యూ హీస్ ఎ పరమహంస హరదత్త మిశ్రా సేస్ ఇఫ్ హీస్ ఎ పరమహంస he need not perform even nitya nimitta karmas because that is i think is not going well with this shiva samhita i understand okay that just keep in mind and do add anything if you want thank you sure thank you uh, awarded with uh, many uh, titles uh, recently by tirupati vidyapeetha also mahapadhyay and uh, he was the uh, dgp of undivided andhra pradesh uh, he held very high uh, posts in the police department uh, after all such career he shifted into sanskrit studies now he has achieved a lot uh, in sanskrit studies also he is teaching advaita vedanta classes he has taught ramayana he is going to teach mahabharata now his paper is going to be on with uh, the contentious issue of whether advaita has contradiction with rituals or not thank you sri paduri ji my my pranams to the swami ji's and swaminis who are present here and my pranams to all the scholars all the divine personalities who are present here in front of me very daunting presence of uh, great shastra scholars so i my subject today anyway is non duality and multitude of rituals so when i read the concept paper prepared by my friend nagaraj pathuri i thought that uh, this is some subject which is rather down to earth and rather contentious as he said so this subject is something which uh, is very very easy to follow and uh, i have chosen this because this is actually debated in fact it touches on some other aspects like why we have several uh, deities why we have that is what we call polytheism and why we have got why we observe so many rituals and all that so that that is what it is because when we say that uh, the truth is one this realization of oneness it leads to various uh, paradoxical situations that is on one hand you are you are saying that uh, reality is one and then again you find various uh, swamijis various acharyas who are performing all the rituals pujas etc etc and when we say this uh, non duality the persons the individual ego or the self is supposed to have merged in the in the ocean like consciousness called brahman so when that is the situation 
then who is worshipping whom? So that situation, that question arises. And that is the reason why we find some of the Vedanta teachers, they actually discourage, they, ask, they have seen some of the teachers discouraging even going to, people going to temples. So they say, why, why this fellow is still going to temples after, after uh, listening to the Vedanta class? So some people say like that. So, and, uh, but on the other hand, we also find some Swamiji's performing rituals. And when I, we attended a meeting, Sadhananda, yeah, Sadhananda Ji was not there at the, in that meeting, Swami Advayananda Ji was there. There, one Vaishnava scholar said, oh, you Advaitins, you have no problem. You, are, you have double standards, you can accept anything, you can accommodate anything. That's what he said. So we are accused of having some double standards. We are accused of being rather duplicitous in our nature. So that is what is the accusation. So from that point of view, I thought that uh, let me choose this subject. And uh, my talk is basically in two parts. That is, uh, first of all, why this non-dual Vedanta, uh, why does it accept rituals and uh, even things like so many deities and all that? And secondly, how all these rituals are actually structured, no, Vedanta is actually structured into our rituals and various other pujas, etc. So these are the two parts, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. So the first point we have to note is that the Vedas, they have to cover all levels of people. Upanishads may be focusing on the seeker. Upanishads may be a sort of inquiry on the nature of what is the supreme reality. but the Vedas as such, Vedas, they take into consideration the whole range of human society. Somebody who is worshipping a snake, somebody who is worshipping some, some tree or somebody who is worshipping a hill or something like that. And the people who are real seekers. So the Vedas, as Swami Dayanandaji was saying, it is they are like huge mall. Whatever you want, you will get there. So it is like that. So they have to take into consideration all levels of people and that is where, and, but at the same time, they should also give some guidance to all the levels of the people. Don't, don't be at that level only. You come slightly to a higher level and from that higher level you try to see what is the reality. So that is what is the uh, overall structure and this structure we see in the entire Prasthana Traya. And I am not going to go going to Prasthana Traya that is the Brahma Sutras and all that, though in the Brahma Sutras also, we can uh, see some of these adhikaranas like Sarvapetsha adhikaranam and also Ubhayalinga adhikaranam and some, some various other adhikaranas. In fact, the entire uh, third adhyaya, uh, the entire adhyaya is devoted for uh, the upa upasanas and all that. So I'm not going to go into that. But I will just take four shlokas from the Gita and try to uh, anal analyze this particular uh, question. That is Krishna. We, we, I am reading from the 12th chapter, 12th chapter of the Gita. And prior to that we have seen that right from 7th chapter to 12th chapter, we know that it is, uh, that is supposed to be the Tat Padartha Vivechanam. So it talks about what exactly is that reality. So there we have seen different levels. We see that what is called Saguna Brahma, we see Nirguna Brahma. And again in that Saguna Brahma we see two levels. That is Vibhuti Yoga talks about uh, the individual manifestations. And the Vishwarupa Yoga talks about the cosmic manifestation. And again, the ninth Adhyaya, Raja Vidya, Raja Guhya, it talks about the supreme reality, which is that Satyam, Jnanam, Anantam, Brahma. So all the levels from which you can, analyze, you can see or uh, realize Brahman, uh, they are all discussed there. 
So they, and, and in the very beginning of 12th chapter, we see uh, which one is better. The Arjuna's question is, which path is better? Then Krishna says, Te prapnu, the, about this Nirguna Brahma people, he says, Te prapnuvanti mameva. Then again, regarding the Saguna Brahma people, he says, Tesham aham samudharta. That is, somewhat like that Markata Kishora and Marjala Kishora Nyaya. I am the uplifter of all the people who are on the Saguna path. And those people who are on the Nirguna path, by doing some hard trekking and all that, they will come and climb that Mount Everest. So after all, they will also reach me. But then that is a te very uh, tedious, very strenuous process. Whereas for these people, like a Marjala Kishoranya, I am going to take them along with me. So that is what uh, uh, Krishna says in that. Then again, we also see, I am now trying to see this uh, uh, eighth shloka, eight, nine, ten and eleven. These four shlokas of twelfth adhyaya, I just want to see. So first of all, he says about... Uh, the Saguna level people, about Nirguna level people, he has told in the very first uh, couple of slokas, he said, Tesha Maham Samudharta. Thereafter, he comes to uh, the Saguna level people. Then he says, Mayeva Mana Adhatsva, Mai Buddhim Niveshaya. So for that word, Mai, so the, all the commentators have said that Mai refers to that Vishwarupa Darshana. So Mai, you have to focus on that Vishwarupa, you have to do that Vishwarupa Upasana. And from that Vishwarupa Upasana, you will, be, you will be able to attain what is called realization. Not directly, of course. There again, the commentators have said, Vishwarupa, Vishwarupa again is Mayavach Chinnam Chaitanyam. It is not pure Chaitanyam. So this Vishwarupa, when you are doing that Upasana, you are attaining what is called that Brahmaloka Prapti or Hiranyagarbhaloka Prapti. And there, that is what is called Krama Mukti and you are going to attain Krama Mukti. So that is what all the commentators have written. Then again, that Mayevamana, that's why it's okay. So Nirguna Brahma people, they are directly attaining Brahman. Saguna Brahma people, by concentrating or contemplating on this Vishwarupa Darshana, they go to what is called that Brahma, Hiranyagarbha Loka and from there they attain that realization. And he says, he comes down, uh, if you are not able to do that, then atha chittam samadhatum na shaknoshi mayasthiram abhyasa yogena tato, he says, if you are not able to do that Vishwarupa Upasana, you come down, you come to this abhyasa yoga. And there again for that abhyasa yoga, the people have, all the commentators have written very clearly, that abhyasa has to be done by having some alambana in front of us. And that alambana can be an idol, it can be a, a picture or anything. So that alambana, it is actually, that is the way in which this idol, it can be an idol or it can be some picture of a god or something. So this introduction of an idol is something which is done with a purpose. So this is why, this is again what is the social, I am also talking about the social consequences. So Advaita Vedanta, no doubt it is a pure philosophical uh, approach to reality. But then, there are also social, uh, there is a lot of social significance also. How exactly our rituals are influenced by that and uh, how all our religious practices have uh, been molded or rather they, they have been shaped under the umbrella of the Upanishads. So this is a, these are the things which we should not miss also. So here, keeping an idea, there for that dhyanam, for that abhyasa yoga, the word, the word given is, the meaning given is dhyanam with some alambana. 
and that for that alambana you just keep an idol and then try to concentrate on that and aspire to come to that level of Ishwarupa meditation. So this introduction of idol is done with a very, very clear purpose and not in a very ignorant or foolish manner. This is what we have to tell our youngsters. I am not telling the audience here. I, when I explain to the youngsters, that is how I explain. Then again, if you are not able to do that, then again he comes down one level. Abhyase pyasamarthosi matkarma paramobhava. If you are not able to do that dhyanam also, you, you, you just do some activity relating to me. So again, this mat karma is a rather confusing word because this mat karma can be understood as karma yoga. But here it is not karma yoga because this again, is a, the, in fact, the twelfth shloka also is a very delicate shloka. Uh, this mat karma, again the commented, Shankaracharya has not explained it much. Whereas Madhusudana, Saraswati and others, they have explained it very, very, very clearly. Nilakanta and also Madhusudana. In fact, Nilakanta has also, not Nilakanta, there is another commentary that is Bhashyotkarsha Deepika. So he quotes from uh, the Brahma Sutras also. He quotes from Brahma Sutras that uh, Antaradhikaranam, Antastad Dharmopadeshat. There he quotes that Kalpatarukara, where, uh, where from he quotes two shlokas. And these shlokas were read yesterday by some scholar. That is Nirvishesham Param Brahma Satshat Kattu Manishwaraha E Mandas Teyanu Kampyante Savishesha Nirupanaihi. That is one shloka. And Vasikrute Manasyesham Saguna Brahma Silanath Tadeva Avirbhavet Satshat Apetopadi Kalpanam. This is a wonderful shloka. Tadeva Avirbhavet Satshat Apetopadi Kalpanam. That is Brahma Satshat Tadeva Brahma Satshat Avirbhavet. So that is what he says. I am not explaining all this because lot many people are scholars here. So what he says that Avir Bhavet, Avir Bhavet again he is referring to that Brahmaloka Prapti and there in that Brahmaloka he gets enlightened. So that is one sort of what we call Majili, one sort of um, some intermediate stage uh, from which he gets enlightened. So that is what uh, we see and 11th Shloka he says, Again, Matkarma, yeah, for this Matkarma I didn't explain. For that Matkarma, Nilakantha and Madhusudana, they have explained it as Shavanam, Kirtanam, Vishnoha, Smaranam, Padasevanam, etc. He has explained like that. And again, Krishna again comes down a step further and he says, Athaita Dapya Shaktosi. If you are not able to do even this, then, uh, then again, Sarva Karma Palatyagam. Tatakkuru Yatatmavan. Sarva Karma Palatyaga is the easiest thing to be done by anybody. So that even an ordinary man can at least try to do that Sarva Karma Palatyaga, that is the most primary step, at least to do this. So our scriptures, or rather our texts are so kind, so kind to people that they want to take along everybody in the field. So this is how, uh, and what are the consequences here? If we see the social consequences, we get answers for the question, why are you having so many forms? All these different forms, they, have been, they, have, they were in existence in so many parts of the country. And some part of the country, some people were worshipping Ganesha. In some other parts, they were worshipping Sun. In some other parts, they were worshipping Muruga. Some other parts, Shakti. Some other parts, Vishnu or Shiva, whatever it was. So, all these forms are accepted. So, may, not, not from the point of view of politics. Because nowadays, all our political leaders, we say, uh, the leaders we see pandering to so many groups, <laughs> so many, maybe, maybe caste groups or religious groups, whatever they are. But this is, this is not such a sort of uh, political uh, pandering. It is something 
which has been uh, done, it, it is basically to include all these people for a higher realization, for only for, from the point of view of uplifting the man, uplifting the person. So that is what we see here, and not from the point of view of mere social harmony from a political point of view. So this is what uh, we have to see. It has to include different levels of devotees, and at the same time, not departing from the non-dual vision. It is not in any way contradicting or compromising on the non-dual vision. That is also we see. The non-dual vision, it stands intact. But at the same time, one has to take into account even the most ordinary man, and uh, this person also has to be given a chance to come up slowly, step by step. So this is what we see. And again, in some other context, again Krishna says, this again, Sakta Karmanya Vidvamso Yatha Kurvanti Bharata Kuryad Vidvams Tatha Saktaha Chikirsur Loka Sangraham. It's a very, very famous shloka, oft quoted by Sringeri Swamiji. So just as the unwise persons seeking the fruit of action, how, uh, just as they get engaged in karma, the wise also should get engaged in karma without attachment for guiding the people. That is uh, Loka Sangrahartham Karma. So Krishna gives his own example of how there is no duty which is enjoined on him, that is name parthasti kartavyam trishuloke shukinchana. Then again he also says how a person should uh, keep on doing some exemplary actions, that is yadyada achatati shrestha, satyade vedurojanaha, etc., etc. And again, uh, that is how he explains how a jnani doing karma is not something incompatible. Jnani doing karma is not something, in, uh, not something which is contradicting in nature, Jnani karma is very much there and Bhagavad Gita was not told for uh, sannyasis only. Bhagavad Gita was told for men of action. That is, we find in the very first, um, in, in the fourth chapter itself, the concept of Rajarshi. And there he says, uh, in Shankar Bhashyam there is a line, Brahma Kshatre Parirachite Jagat Paripalaitum Alam. Brahma Chhatre Parirachite Jagat Paripalaidu Malam. There is one more line there, um, yeah, which I forget anyway. So there it is told to Kshatriyas and again all the examples given are all these Rajasris like a King Janaka, Rama, etc. All these people. And in another context we also see Krishna mentioning the four types of uh, people, Bhaktas. That is, Mm, yeah. What is that? Uh, that fourth, uh, that Adhyaya, Arthoj Gnyasu Rathartti Gnyanisha Bharatashava. There again he says, Jnani is Atmaiva Me Matam. Jnani is my own self. So there again he includes that Jnani among the list of bhaktas. There is no contradiction that uh, for a Jnani to be a bhakta. This is what we see here. The notion of non duality again, it brings into picture another concept called Ananya Bhakti. For an ordinary person, there is what is called Anya Bhakti, that is, with an idea of duality. And this Jnani is somebody who is doing Bhakti with an idea of non-duality. And why does he do that? There again we see in the Brahma Sutras and some other places where it is explained, particularly in this Avrutti Adhikaranam, Avrutti is something which has been very repeatedly told in the text. And that is basically to, for this Atma Anusandhanam, to strengthen that, uh, uh, to strengthen the knowledge within himself. So that is what is uh, that Avrutti. 
and again for the purpose of loka sangraha he is supposed to do that loka sangraha that is lokasya unmarga pravrutti nivaranam loka sangraha that, that is what bhashyam says and again a bhakta he also he is a lover of god because bhakti is actually satvasmin parama prema roopa amruta swarupa cha that is our narada bhakti sutrasya so that bhakti is something which is prema swarupa and even while you are doing bhakti you you are engaged in bhakti that is something which is prema swarupa in karma there is no prema or anything but in bhakti not prema amruta amruta swarupam amrutatvam is not there in karma prema is there of course but amruta swarupam is there even in the process of bhakti also that amrutatvam is there so that and that's what uh, we see in that narada bhakti sutra so now i come to the sociological consequences the consequences the most important contribution of this non dual philosophy to indian society is that it united the society this is what we have to repeatedly tell our youngsters that is what i i say this is not for this audience here that is what we have to tell the youngsters the most important contribution of this visual is vision is that it integrated the society had this not been there because the upanishads they have no agenda to establish any religion the only um, purpose or rather the only approach of the agenda, of the upanishads is tapasa brahma vijignyasasva you try to know what is reality in a very very rational manner and then this gentleman that burgu or whoever is the student uh, he analyzes what are the different layers of his own personality and and tries and realizes what is that reality so that is the process we see everywhere in all the in all the upanishads that is the process which we see so uh, and these people they have no uh, agenda to establish a religion or to start an empire or to spread the religion so that that is how they were able to accept all the traditions because when the truth is one truth is something which is non dual and true and truth is not something which is a person i am also feeling need for what to please <laughs> i don't know why <clears throat> so when this truth is one i'll keep it here so when this truth is of the nature of satyam gyanam anantam brahma that infinitely existing consciousness when that is so then uh, it doesn't matter what a, what form you worship so you have to you can accept all the forms you can accept all types of traditions that is what we have seen right from the even till yesterday all the people who talked about various types of stutis and various types of stotras and all these yoga tantra and how all these things are integrated there is absolutely no contradiction anywhere all these things are they all fit into so many pigeon holes are there they, they all fit into so many places so that is what we see and had this non dual philosophy not been there i am sure that india would have broken into pieces much prior to the invasion by the outsiders because some some portion would have been vishnava dominated some portion would have been shiva dominated because all these kings because when some particular faith if it is a mere faith and if by chance if it gets some raja the king protect protection of a king also then that is the end of it then this man will quarrel there is a fight between this king and that king and whoever is the strong that is again the darwinism darwinism among among religions that is what we see all over the world because whenever a new religion came up 
it totally wiped out all the existing religions and then it emerged with all the assistance of the political uh, leadership and that is what is happening even now. So, but then in India, what happened was totally different. Somebody like Shankaracharya, he went around, he had debates with all types of, all uh, traditions, he analyzed all traditions and then he said these are the traditions which are avaidic and he also, he also said, like we can also say certified, he can also say endorsed rather. He said, these are the traditions which are in accordance with the Vedic uh, uh, say principles or Vedic dharma. And he also wrote hymns on various, uh, all these deities. So that is why he was also called Shanmatasthapanacharya. So that is what we see. And now I come to my second point. The second point is how these, how this, uh, this non-dual philosophy is integrated into our rituals. And <coughs> for this we see, yeah. So, if you say that, okay, you will attain that reality, you will attain that moksham, you follow this ritual, nobody will do that. So, for a ritual, you have to promise some punyam. Okay, if you do this, you will attain some punyam. If you take a dip in this uh, river or if you do this mantra japa, all this koti janma kurtam papam will be wiped off. <laughs> so, then so there should be some sort of incentive. And incentive and also disincentive. If you do not do this, you are going to fall into this rava-rava narakam. So all these things, incentive and disincentives have been given and they have been told, yes, you follow this ritual. And again, they were also conscious that while a person is on the karma path, somewhere he will also come on to a higher level. Why? Because in these rituals, the same mantras, the same uh, ruksu, it may be a ruksukta like purusha sukta and uttaranarayanam, whatever it is, or it may be rudradhyaya, or it may be something like that. So, where that philosophy of oneness is the basic theme in that. So, that is what Shankaracharya also points out in his commentary on uh, the 11th shloka of the Gita. There he says, Swargadi kamarthinaha, a person starts as um, a person doing Kamya Karma, a person is starting with a Kamya Karma, but somewhere in the process, he gets enlightened. Enlightened in the sense, he gets an idea, he gets a question. That is, Svargadi Kamarthinaha, Kamyeva Agnihotra Dau Pravurtasya, Sami Kurte Vinashtepi Kami. Sami Kurte. He is continuing in the process, it is just semi-finished. <laughs> At that stage, Natat Kamyam Agnihotradi Bhavati. He says, of course, his, his idea is to say, tell some other point, but he is making the point that in the process of doing a kamya, doing a kamya karma, a person will also get an idea, it, it comes into his mind. Hey, what is this? The matra is saying like this. For example, when you are reading Purusha Suktam, you go to any temple and in every temple we find this Purusha Suktam and again followed by Uttaranarayanam and Uttaranarayanam followed by Mantra Pushpam. In all these things, what do we see in that Uttaranarayanam? There is a line, Sabrahma Sashiva Sahari Sendra Sotshara Paravaswarat. Then again in Mantra Pushpam we say, Tvam Brahma, Tvam Rudra, Tvam Prajapati. <laughs> so everywhere, what is that, whatever is existing in you, whatever is the Dahara Akasha, whatever is there in your own, um, this so-called mind Akasha. So that is what is Brahma, that is what is Shiva. So that is this idea when it comes, of course now we have got a language barrier, in earlier days, they didn't have a language barrier. So about a hundred years ago or so, the people never had any confusion because they did not have a language barrier. So when these, these people read all these things, they had some idea. So that is how this, um, uh, these rituals 
they are rather embedded with uh, this uh, non-dual philosophy. And uh, for example, the most primary karma which we do is the Nitya Karma Sandhya Vandana. Sandhya Vandana, there was a reference by Madam Panditji in the morning. She, she told uh, so many things about that. So this Sandhya Vandana is again a mandated karma. And the, the Sandhya Vandana, in my view, is a guided meditation. Sandhya Vandana is basically a guided meditation. Because it talks about the very opening line, it says, Brahma Karma Samarabhe. It is not talking about any worship of sun or anything. It is Brahma Karma. And again, if you see the mantras which are there, what are the mantras? Udyanta Mastanyanta Madityam Abhidhyayan Kurvan Brahmano Vidwan Sakalam Brahma Sakalam Sakalam Bhadramasnate Brahmaivasan Brahma Pieti. Brahmaivasan Brahma Pieti Evam Veda. So that is, he is already Brahma. And then he realizes, yes, I am that Brahman. So then again, that Nyasa, that lady was telling about that Nyasa, Karanyasa and Anganyasa. That Karanyasa, if you call it Tantra, you call it Tantra, whatever it is. And that Karanyasa, what, what do we say? Tatsavitu Brahmatmani Angustra Bhyam Namaha. We start with Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwara. Then again we say Satyatmani Anavika Bhyam Namaha. Uh, then again, Karishtika Satyatmane, Gyanatmane Karishtika Abhyan Namaha, Sarvatmane Karatalakar Pushtabhyam Namaha. What, what does it mean? All, what all we call as Brahma, Vishnu, Ishwara, etc., they are in the realm of Maya. They are not Satyam. And when you go to the next stage, we are on the level of Satyam. That is Satyatmane Anamika Abhyan Namaha. So this Tantra is something which is, it is just, in Tantra you have integrated all this non-dual philosophy. And I am actually looking for some, some explanation for the uh, mudras, this 24 mudras, Sumukham Samputan Chaiva, Vitatam Vistrutam Tatha. I want to know whether somebody has explained it. Uttara mudras, I myself, I, I visualized some meaning, some, there is a, a meaning which is in accordance with the Vedanta. But for the Purva mudras, I am looking for some explanation. So anyway, so if we see all our prayers everywhere, everywhere in all our rituals. So that is what we see. And Gayatri Mantra is itself. In the morning there was a reference to Gayatri Mantra. And what do we see? All this Vyahurti, Som, Bhuhu, Bhoha, all these things. So that is, that entire, what all you see is that Brahman. Om Bhuhu is Brahman, Bhuvaha is Brahman, Suvaha is Brahman. What all you see is that Brahman. Om Apo, Jyoti, Raso, Amrutam, Brahman. Everything is that Brahman. And that is again what we see there. And in, uh, that is again a meditation on what is called the Satyam Jnana Manantam Brahma or that infinitely existing consciousness. And again, <coughs> we see, uh, for example, you take any Vratam. We perform some Vinayaka Vratam or Saraswati Vratam. And there, okay, it appears as a worship in a dualistic mode. It starts as a worship in dualistic mode. But when we see the later finishing mantras, Ganesho Pratigurunhati, Ganesho Vai Dadaticha, Ganesha Starako Bhabhyam. So the person who is giving is Ganesha, the person who is taking is Ganesha. You perform Ananta Viratam, Ananto Pratigurunhati, Ananto Vai Dadaticha. You, do, you perform Saraswati Viratam, Bharati Pratigurunhati, Bharati Vai Dadaticha. So everywhere that idea of uh, that, that oneness is very much presented in all our rituals. You take any mantra. We go to Rudradhyaya, Purusha Suktam and Uttaranarayanam, I was telling Sabrahma, Sashiva, etc. Then again, if you take Rudram, Rudram is again is an exercise in Vishwarupadarshan. Rudram is basically a philosophical exercise to see God in everybody. And what do, what do we say? People like, 
namo mahadhyah chullakebhyasya o namo you are worshiping the great people you are also worshiping the petty petty minded people and again taskaranam pataye namaha as a police officer i should not be saying this taskaranam pataye namaha i worship the chief of thieves <laughs> then again kulunchanam pataye namaha kuluncha who means bhumi kulunchanam pati is somebody who is a land grabber in modern in modern uh, a present day translation is kulunchan is actually a land grabber so that means in those days also there were some land grabbers so kulunchanam pataye namaha then namo ishumadhyo ರಥಕಾರೇಭ್ಯಶ್ಚವ ನಮೋ ನಮಃ ಕುಲಾಲೇಭ್ಯ ಕರ್ಮಾರೇಭ್ಯಶ್ಚವ ನಮೋ ಸೋ ಮೆನಿ ಥಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಆಲ್ ದೀಸ್ ಟ್ರೇಡ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಕೋರ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ಸಿಡೆಂಟಲಿ ವಿ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ಸಿ ದಟ್ ದಿ ಸೋ ಕಾಲ್ಡ್ ಕ್ಯಾಸ್ಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ವಿಚ್ ಈಸ್ ಅ ಸೋಷಲಾಜಿಕಲ್ ಡೆವಲಪ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಇಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ನಥಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಡೂ ವಿತ್ ರಿಲಿಜನ್ ಕ್ಯಾಸ್ಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ವಿಚ್ ಈಸ್ ಅ ಸೋಷಲಾಜಿಕಲ್ ಡೆವಲಪ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ವೇರ್ ಆಸ್ ವರ್ಣ ಈಸ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ವಿಚ್ ಈಸ್ ಮೆನ್ಷನ್ಡ್ ಇನ್ ದಿ ಸ್ಕ್ರಿಪ್ಚರ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಎ ಸಾರ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಇನ್ಸಿಡೆಂಟಲ್ ಅಬ್ಸರ್ವೇಷನ್ ದೆನ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಭೋಜನಂ ವೆನ್ ವಿ ಡೂ ಭೋಜನಂ ಅಗೇನ್ again vaham vaishvanaro bhutva if you see the commentary under that shankaracharya also writes bhokta vaishvanarah agni we are aware of this agnishtoma yaga in that agnishtoma the entire universe is visualized as composing two elements two features called one is the eater and the other is eaten that is what we see in that upanishad that arayincha pranamcha rayi and pranam so that way bhokta vaishvanarah agni bhojyam annam somah agnishtoma ತದೇತದುಭಯಂ ಅಗ್ನಿಶೋಮೌ ಸರ್ವಿತಿ ಪಶ್ಯತ ಅನ್ನಲೋಪದೋಷ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಯುವರ್ ಲಂಚ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಐಡಿಯಾ ದಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಈಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಅಗ್ನಿಶೋಮಯಾಗ ಐ ಆಮ್ ಸ್ಯಾಟಿಸ್ಫೈಯಿಂಗ್ ದಟ್ ವೈಶ್ವಾನರ್ ಅಗ್ನಿ ಇನ್ ಮೀ ದೆನ್ ದಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಸಪೋಸ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಈಕ್ವಿವೆಲೆಂಟ್ ಟು ವಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಕಾಲ್ಡ್ ಅಗ್ನಿಶೋಮಯಾಗ ಸೊ ದೆನ್ ಅಗೇನ್ ಫಾರ್ ಎಕ್ಸಾಂಪಲ್ ದೇವಿ ಸಪ್ತಶತಿ ಯು ಟೇಕ್ ಎನಿ ಅದರ್ ಎನಿ ಟೇಕ್ ಎನಿಥಿಂಗ್ ಸೊ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ದೇವಿ ಸಪ್ತಶತಿ ಆಲ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪೋರ್ಟ್ರಿಯಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಟೈಮ್ ಇಸ್ ಓವರ್ I'll finish in two, one or two minutes. So the portrayal of all this uh, hideous nature of human emotions. For example, all these negative emotions which are, which are projected as demons in the field. And what are all these demons and uh, gods? And I don't think any religion gives uh, such a beautiful picture. For example, Shankaracharya in one of the Bhashyams, he says in two places in uh, Upanishad Bhashyam, Devaha Shastrod Bhasita Indriya Vruttayaha Asuraha Tad Viparitaha the gods are not somebody who is some handsome people who are um, wearing some sophisticated having some sophisticated weapons etc they are our own indriya vrtaya shastrodbhasitah which are refined by the study of shastras and asuraah tad viparitah and devasura sangramo nama anudinam vartamanah adhyatmika sangramah that is a sangrama it is a sort of internal battle which goes on every day every in every human mind and that is what is that churning of the churning of that ocean so that is these are the things churning of the ocean i don't have time to explain that so that churning of the ocean is again another great symbol where the human mind all the the conflicting uh, ideas and uh, conflicting tendencies in the human nature they are there then again devi saptashati if you take and the most misunderstood point which many people point out is about that rakta bija oh your gods and goddesses they have got so many weapons your gods your goddess is somebody who is blood sucking and what is the rakta bija if you see there was a, there was a lot of talk about vasana kshaya and manonasha and what is this vasana vasana is that latent impression which is there in the mind which sprouts up at any slightest opportunity you have got whatever actions we have done all these actions they have produced some samskaras or vasanas which are there in the mind and these things they, they suddenly rise up and this rakta bija 
even a drop of his blood falling on a very fertile ground. So that Ratta Bija again sprouts up. And again, that was, uh, this total, uh, total eradication, of, eradication of these vasanas, vasanakshaya, which is described very beautifully by Vidyaranya in that uh, um, Jivan Mukti Viveka, that is what is illustrated here. And if, you re if we read the commentaries on Devi Saptashati, in fact, that's a wonderful thing. I don't know why it, uh, people have not uh, clearly brought about and clearly, I, don't, I have not come across any book. There may be some books. I have not clearly come across any book in English explaining or rather summarizing the Sanskrit commentaries uh, that also the scholars may kindly keep in mind. And similarly, you take anything like Vishnu Sahasranama, Lalita Sahasranama, etc., etc., there is again summary of Vedanta in brief. So that is what we see here. In the, it is, uh, we find that it is a very, very uh, unique thing in our Indian tradition that the rituals are actually shaped by or molded by the Upanishadic philosophy. And that is the reason why we have not lost them. Maybe in other religions, because that is something which is shaped by faith. People are not bothered about it. Now you read Devi Saptashati and you do Chandi Yaga. And when you are in Chandi Yaga, you are seeing philosophy and you are aware that what you are doing is not a ritual. And that is something which is, there is something which is much deeper. So that is how these rituals are very much alive. So that is what I feel. And this is not something which is um, double, which, are, which we, can, we can say double standards or duplicity in us, not definitely duplicity. It is a, a philosophical awareness of what we are doing. So <clears throat> with this, I thank the Indic Academy. Of course, I am also a partner, in the sense, a very active member in this Indic Academy, teaching on this Advaita Academy website. My friend has just come here. She, uh, Hari Kiran. In fact, he made me a teacher uh, because uh, when I had just retired and I was not knowing what to do, he said, why don't you teach? Then I started teaching. So that was a turning point. So I thank him. I thank Nagaraj Bhatwari. I also ch thank Chenmaya University for having given me this chance. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Rindra Garu, for this uh very highly enlightening presentation. Uh, tea is ready outside. Uh, the youngsters sitting here, uh, please spread the message to the other youngsters. He has explained to you the spiritual but not religious has become so fashionable now. We don't want to go to temple. We don't want to do rituals and all that. Please take this message to everyone uh, from this paper. Thank you.